we really did practice. I was counting my measures out and listening to all of it. Next thing I know, Robert's elbowing me. Let's go, let's go. And uh, so anyway, where's, where is uh, Seth Wagoner? Seth, I'll never forgive you for that. You started that. <laughs> it was a beautiful song. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And um, I'm not going to finish this year out without saying something about revival. So tonight we're going to talk about revival. And um, Luke chapter 2, I did enjoy that. It's a beautiful song. And thank you, Brother uh, Bobby, for asking me to sing. And um, I made it through. I still get nervous about a lot of things, and I was really nervous. I, I got in the car, and I was driving to church. I said, oh, I forgot to practice my song. She said, you're supposed to practice the song. I said, well, I got this little thing. I'm listening to it. I don't know if it did any good to practice or not, because I think they turned my microphone off. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I already made up my mind. If I didn't make it, Brother Bobby, I was going to lip sync. But um, anyway, let's stand together, please. Luke chapter 2. I want to read the same passage we did this morning, but read just a little more tonight. And pick up reading verse number 8, read down through verse number 20. We'll talk about the shepherds some tonight. Somebody said that you, uh, it's, it's not a good sign when you get tired of hearing about the old um, stories of the faith, especially Christmas. I enjoy preaching Christmas, and um, I don't want you to ever grow weary of, of hearing some of the great doctrines of the Christmas season, the Easter season. And uh, pick up reading verse number eight. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I'm going to speak on this subject for just a while tonight, a revival in a field. I started to say revival on a hillside, but that's just in the songs. We hear the Bible says these shepherds were in a field. And I want to talk about that tonight. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word and challenge us with this truth tonight, we pray, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. You know, um, our theme this year was revival. And I thought about continuing the theme. I don't want to make a very, very important subject in the life of a church. I don't want to make it redundant. And I want you to continue seeking revival. I may say more about this before the year closes out. I'm not sure what opportunities I'll have to do that. But I want you to continue seeking revival in your heart. There is a happening going on in our nation right now. There is a, a political, um, I don't want to call it an upheaval. I don't want to call it necessarily a revolution. I do want to say that there is a movement going on in America right now searching for the truth. 
We understand that is, uh, is cloaked somewhat in the election and fraud. And now, of course, uh, most of you know by now that, that America was hit with one of the, the uh, largest cyber attacks in its history. Some are even calling it acts of war. And right now, there's, there's, we're trying to get some sunshine spread, you might say, on what really is going on in our nation. And uh, there's been really a fight going on for several years now, but it's coming to a head. And I want you to be aware of that. I don't want you to have your head in the sand. If you watch the network news, I'm talking about CNN, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, and now even Fox News to a certain extent, they're trying to reel it in. But if you're watching that, you're not, you're not hearing any of this. There's a whole lot more ways to get your news out there. And I just want you to know that that's going on over here when we should have a revival in the church going on over here that should be influencing this over here. The liberals have had revival now for the past probably eight years or so, maybe longer than that. And they feel like they have a foothold in our nation and they want to take our nation completely down from its spiritual roots. But you and I, not the politicians, but the church of the living God holds the key to that if we exercise that. Now here we have uh, God bringing revival to these shepherds of all people. Somebody said... Uh, uh, why the shepherds? You often wonder why they choose to bring the good news, this good news to these shepherds, because shepherds were in that generation, uh, not necessarily scorned, but they were kind of an outcast group of people. They stayed with their flocks the whole time. Uh, they were not often trusted. Some of the shepherds weren't, but um, God came to them and God gave them the good news. And uh, I want to just give three ways, by, three things by way of introduction to maybe consider why would he do this? First of all, Jesus himself would be numbered with sinners, but would be called the good shepherd. Secondly, uh, Jesus had a love to reach the unreachable. And these shepherds, spent they didn't come home. They didn't just work 40 hours a week and come home. They stayed with their flocks 24-7. They lived with them. And uh, they brought their food and meals from the house sometimes, maybe, if they could find them. But uh, Jesus loved to reach the unreachable. And then number three, Jesus hates our pride and prejudice. And by that, I mean, there was a time that a shepherd was highly regarded back during the time of the patriarchs. Uh, Abraham was a shepherd, Jacob, and so forth. And then, of course, they went into, the, uh, went into Egypt. While they were there, if you remember, the Egyptians were agriculture people. They grew their crops. They took great pride in their crops. And uh, remember, they laid back grain. They didn't lay back cattle. Uh, in store. They laid back grain in store. And if you'll recall, the uh, Egyptians shoved the, the Israelites over in the area of Ramesses because uh, they felt like that uh, they were the off-scouring of their society. They did not like shepherds. And so they sent them over there. So from that time moving forward, there was a great disregard in, our, in their society there in the Middle East for the shepherd. And so they weren't the, uh, they weren't the high on the totem pole people, but Jesus came down to them and gave them the good news. And I think it's an it's a awakening to us that you and I should not have a pride and a prejudice toward other people in their, in their social status, in their race, or whatever it is. You and I should be getting the gospel to all people. Now, with that said, I want, to, uh, I want to kind of get into what I'm calling a revival there in the field. Notice, please, that they're in the field abiding in verse number 8 in that same country where Christ was born. And God's going to come and give them the news 
of this uh, baby. Number one, I want you to jot this down. Notice, please, first of all, the inactivity prior to revival. The inactivity prior to revival. And I'm going to kind of just dig some things out of the Bible as I'm reading this. Their inactivity. What you have here is these shepherds minding their own business, a very, very quiet night, a dark night, and they're sitting there <clears throat> minding uh, the sheep. Now, that's exactly who Jesus came to save. Those, you might say symbolically, in the darkness of midnight, those, you might say, whose life is idle. And by the way, we always say that idleness is the devil's workshop. And can I, uh, again, can I get you to understand it's very, very important for a Christian to keep his, his hand to the plow and serving God because when you and I slow down, that's when trouble starts, when we become inactive and idle in the work of God, trouble begins. And I want to challenge you in that. And by the way, that's exactly where the church of the living God is right now. We're idle. We're inactive. But Jesus came to these. They're in a slow time, a dark time. And may I say that this is a time that's right for revival. Right now is a dark time in our world. I can see it on the faces of, of the people that I preach to every Sunday morning. I can tell there's a great disillusionment going on, and I use that word in definition in contrast to darkness. There's disillusionment, or there's a, an unsureness, you might say, because we're just kind of in the dark about the th some things. The coronavirus got it all started. Uh, when's it going to stop? We hear different things about all of it. I don't know, and, and you don't know, and so there's, there's a great... Uh, disillusionment in that area and then of course with the political situation and the economic situation and 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 right now I don't know if you know it or not but but Tennessee is one of the leading nations with uh, uptick of, of coronavirus per capita population in America right now boy we, that's a quite the prize to have amen and here we are uh, in this uptick you might say I don't know if it is I don't know if it's not I'm just saying that's what the news says and here we sit with all this uncertainty, and we don't know what's the next step we should take. Should we buy a house? Should we sell a house? Should we buy a car? Should we sell a car? What should we do? How, what, where should we move? And we're just kind of sitting in, a, in a, little, a little idle, you might say, simmering pot that sometime or another could very likely boil over. And we're sitting in a time of uncertainty, a time of darkness, and that is a time that is ripe for revival. Don't miss that. People are looking for something to happen. Instead of something happening out there in America, I'd rather something happen in the church of the living God. Number two, notice please the initiating of revival. Verse 9 says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Uh, this revival was initiated from heaven. Now, I want to give you a contrast. I'll use some time and time when I talk about revivals. Some say that a church and a people can set themselves in a place of revival by purifying their lives and getting right with God and getting the word of God and getting sin out of their life, repenting of sin, getting their prayer life back and praying revival down. And I believe that. But there's another side of revival that's heavenly, that's sovereign that God takes care of. That is that God drops revival in any time he wants to, to anyone that he wants to drop it in on. And that's exactly what happened right here. Now you say, well, preacher, how do you, I mean, how can you tell that there's revival? I'll get that in just a minute. But these guys were stirred up. That is a good sign of revival. 
Now, let me give you just a, a good classic illustration of God doing whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Right now, how many of you in 2019, December 2000, or in January 2020, how many of you would ever predicted that we would be right where we're at right now? Not a one of us. And you're probably saying, well, the devil did all this. And by the way, the devil is behind all the bad part of it. But I want you to know that God's incomplete. God is trying to bring his people back to him. And I'm shocked at the number of Christians that's missing that. I'm grateful that my wife and I, God has allowed this time to draw us closer to him than we've ever been. And I'm grateful for that. And I trust that you can say the same thing. But there was an initiated revival and God dropped this in on these shepherds. As far as we know, no one else. Uh, Mary and Joseph were experiencing revival unlike what we would ever imagine with this young couple as they saw the face of God there in that manger. But now uh, God lets the shepherds in on it. I love it. I can just imagine. Now let me show you number three. The intimidation revival. Can I just say it? They call it that. The intimidation revival. I want you to listen carefully to this point. The Bible says when these angels, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The angels showed up, but there is a, the, a, a Shekinah glory of the Lord. The presence of God was on the side of that hill. Mark this down. When revival occurs, the presence of God, not his physical being, but the presence of God is going to be there. And that's what the Bible says. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. That was such a bright, startling light and atmosphere that I could never in human terms describe what those shepherds woke up to. To the point the Bible says that they were sore afraid. Let me explain to you what that means. Sore afraid means they were scared sick. We use the term, I, that literally scared me to death. It didn't scare you to death, literally. I don't know why we say it literally all the time. My little granddaughter was telling me, about a little Christmas play where the man came out and the, and the innkeeper came out and he looked at Mary and Joseph and he said, we have no room. We literally have no room. And she said, and a little four-year-old girl, she said, Paul, Paul, uh, the innkeeper said, no room. We literally have no room. She uses these big words, apparently and literally and all these. She has no clue what they mean, but she uses them all the time. I don't know why I said that one talk. My granddaughter, I guess. I, but, but. The, the, the idea that we were scared to death, we don't die, but we're, have you ever been, have you ever been scared sick? Have you ever been so shook up that you got sick at your stomach to the point they were sore afraid? The idea of afraid means the literal meaning is that they wanted to run. They wanted to get away from what they were seeing. They didn't know how to handle it. And that is a natural reaction for human beings. I thank God they didn't run. I thank God that they meditate on what they were seeing. And, but here's my point. In the idea of the intimidation revival, there is always a certain amount of fear and reverence when true revival shows up. It draws people to honest living for a fear of grieving the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is missing today in the church of the living God. Now, we came as close, I suppose, as a church that we've ever come in revival in our tent meeting many years ago. I have recorded, I've, I've written, I wrote some things down that occurred during that revival. But one of the things that I noticed in that revival 
was our people became very, very faithful. Our attendance went up not because we necessarily had a lot of new people. Our attendance went up because our regular people came to church faithfully. I noticed something else in that revival. And that is that people really walked the line. They didn't want to rock the boat. They didn't want to be the ones that grieved the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I need to get back to a conscious awareness and a sensitivity that the Spirit of God is in control in churches and no one wants to be the cause for stopping or hindering a revival, yet many do it. And I'm going to tell you why they do it. Because they lose their fear and reverence of God. I say this a lot lately, and I'm just going to say it again until you get tired of it and get in your Bible and find out what God says, and that's this. Stop making up the rules of morality in your life. God makes the rules of morality in our life. God has the thou shouts and the thou shalt nots, and they're in there for a reason. As you and I live for God, as we walk in the spirit, fullness of the spirit, and the influence of the Holy Ghost in our life, you and I are sensitive to the reverence of an almighty God. That creates an atmosphere of revival. I really believe that God was intentionally setting this up. People get their eyes off of God, and they get their eyes on themselves. And that's where the church is today. And that needs to change. What is it right now that you need to deprive yourself of? How often is it that you're just doing what you want to do no matter what anybody else thinks? You understand that in a church setting, the one of the reasons why we congregate is not just to encourage one another. And exhort one of the Hebrews 10.25. But it puts a certain amount of good pressure on you. To do the right thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's true in a family situation. When families get disconnected in some way. There's a certain amount of pressure that's put on that family for that erring one to do what's right and that's that's biblical and the same is true for the family of god there was an intimidating influence that was good and was healthy for those shepherds number four write this down the information of revival is found in verse number 11 it's always the same for unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's all about Jesus. When revival comes, it's all about Jesus, focusing on Jesus, all about him. And that message will begin to ring true in our churches one more time when the church gets in revival. Now, what you're seeing right now in America is not a biblical revival. You're seeing a movement that could lead to revival. But I'm going to tell you when revival occurs, it's when Jesus is in the middle of all of it. Number, number four, write this down. Number five, the inclusion of revival. Or we might say the scope of who is included in revival. I want you to circle a few words here. The Bible says in verse number 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring, circle this word, you, good tidings, of great joy which shall be, circle these two words, to all people. Here's the scope. Here's the inclusion. Who's including revival? First of all, it starts with you, the shepherds themselves. 
The angel said, uh, I bring you good tidings. I bring you good news. How many understand revival essentially starts the moment you get saved? What a wonderful time that is. As old as I am, I'll never forget the feeling I had when Jesus Christ saved my soul. You've heard me talk about it. I, as a young boy, I, I just, I, it, it so influenced me all these years. I sometimes reenacted in my mind not to be some kind of a, a fruitcake or a crazy person, but I just, it was just so impacted on me the day that I got saved. And you ought to do the same thing. You should never let the old story grow old. Never. But that was me personally. And then we've heard this said before, if you want revival, someone says, draw a circle on the ground, get in that circle and pray inside that circle for God to send revival. Don't get out till he sends it. Revival is a personal thing. You can have revival. Nobody else has revival. But then secondly, revival is not to be kept just with you. The angel said that it was good tidings to all people. This has a missions emphasis in it. It has a global emphasis, you might say. All people means all people. Brother Whetstone is here tonight, and uh, he oversees a very large mission board, and, and they go, uh, missionaries go into many, many places of the world giving the good news and preaching the same things we preach in this church. And that's the way that God wants it. So when you and I think of these good tidings, we don't keep these to ourselves, and don't you keep it to yourself either. You and I are called to tell others. I'll get that in just a moment. We see the inclusion of revival. Number six, if you'll jot this down, we see also the inspiration of revival. If I could say it like that, the inspiration of revival, and I'm using the word a little more loosely. The word actually means God breathed, but we see some worship going on here. How God puts his touch on this time of revival with true worship and praise. And let me, let me notice, notice, I want you to notice this. Look at uh, verse number 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. We have worship right there. We have perfect worship by the angels. But skip down, please, and look at verse number 20. Verse number 20, the shepherds return, watch this now, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now watch this. When revival comes, it will be accompanied with praise and glorification of Almighty God. It's all about Him. God puts His touch on it that way. And can I say that there's no better singing than revival singing? There's a special touch on it. It's not professional. Now, let me give you, again, a, an illustration I think you can remember. I'm not saying we had revival. I, I am saying that we have, from time to time in our church, some touches of revival. I think we had revival several years ago. But from time to time, we have touches of revival. Let me see if I can, bring, let me see if I can get you to agree on one. Southwide Baptist Fellowship. We hosted two, two years. We had uh, the last year, Dr. David Gibbs, I think, had that. And as I recall, our children came in and sang with the choir the song, Jesus Saves, right? How many of you hear that at night? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up high, all right? How many would you say, I've never heard anything like that before? I mean, I couldn't, maybe that's not how you would say it, but you'd have to say, there's a special touch on that service. Of course, there's probably about 300 preachers in here. I still get little texts from time to time 
of preachers that were in that service, how God spoke to their heart. We sang again here just the other day, and they did a fantastic job. And, but I will tell you, we were going, my wife and I were, were going down the road. It's been about three or four months ago. One of our families sent me, sent us that particular song that night in that service. They had pulled it off the Internet. It's been looked at just thousands of times. And they had sent that to my phone. We've got this little audio Bluetooth thing in my truck where we could play it. We were going down the road. It was about 10 o'clock at night, driving at night. And we plugged that in. And we listened to that, that particular service again. And we wept. And we felt the same feeling we felt that night. Here's what I'm saying. There was a little touch of revival that night. And God wants to do that. And revival Praise and singing and worship always accompanies a revival. And these folks saw that. And that's what I want. We're not going to stop singing. We're not going to stop trying to bring glory to God in our services. We're not going to stop preaching. We're going to keep doing the same thing. I'm going to pray in earnest before I preach. And, and, and uh, I'm going to try to prepare the best of my ability. I'm going to do all I can. But it sure would be nice if I felt like I was getting a little bit of help from everybody else. Because you want to see revival. Number six, the inspiration of revival. God's got a special touch on that. And then number seven, my last point, the evangelism revival. The evangelism of revival. Look at verse 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Wow. Notice what they did. Look at verse 16. The Bible says they came with haste. Those shepherds were used as instruments of God to spread the word of the Christ child to everybody in that region. I believe the word abroad speaks about a regional evangelistic effort. Evangelism is always a result of revival. You may not see souls saved in the revival but you will see souls saved after the revival at the least. There's some key words here. Look at the word saying. Circle that word saying. That word means a specific topic. When they went out, they didn't fly by the sea of their britches and just say whatever they want to say. We saw this baby and it was in a manger and all that. No, no, no. They gave the specific saying that Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord was in that manger. That's our message. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our Savior. The next word is the word haste. There should be a certain amount of zeal and hurry in getting the Word of God out. Brother Phil Wheeler uh, sent me a text. I think it was yesterday. And, of course, he's following some of this stuff on there. And, by the way, I, I'm noticing some of the things, some of the liberties and freedoms that were we're destined to lose if things continue the way they are. And he said this. He said, by the way, he's the one that runs the soul winning tent for the, for the fairs and the, all of that and the uh, county fairs and all that, state fairs. He said this. He said, it looks like we have just a short time preacher. Now, if that's true, where's our hurry? How many have unsaved loved ones they're going to split hell wide open because they've never trusted Christ as Savior. I'm not happy about that. You shouldn't be happy about that. 
As far as I know, my family, my wife's family is in the fold as far as I know. And uh, we've worked on that over the years. And I, I, just, I just want you to know that we have loved ones, we have friends, we have coworkers, we have, we have family members that need to hear the gospel. And what if it's true that we have just a short time? What are we going to do about that? I often wonder, why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? The Bible says not many wise or noble are called. God used the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. And I know what people sometimes think about preaching and preachers. I, I hear the brunt of the jokes all the time. And I also understand that we're moving in to an apostate society that's going to have no use for what we're doing right here. You do understand that. And they'll think it's foolish and they'll think it's a waste of time and all of that. I sure wish that you and I would get in a hurry about telling folks about Christ. Would you make that commitment tonight? Father, we thank you for these shepherds. We thank you, Lord, for their testimony. Lord, I'm grateful and thankful that you gave them that good news instead of some king somewhere who probably would have sat on it and not got the word out. Oh, how these men began to spread the word. Soon John the Baptist would come as a voice of one crying in the wilderness and say, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And boy, it was on then. The little embers of revival happened in that field that night as those shepherds got word. Dear God, would you give us the embers of revival here in our church? Would you begin to move on us? Lord, tonight, would you make us sensitive to the Spirit of God? That we would not quench His Spirit. We would not grieve His Spirit. Lord, this church being kicked in the teeth enough. We need, we need a movement of Thee. Now, I pray you'll help us to pray that and bring it about. And may you see this church as a place that you would initiate and drop a revival in on us. Please, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We only have another service or two. Would you come tonight and maybe pray and ask God to send revival to our nation? Would you do that tonight? This altar is open. Just a few more days, a few more services before this end, this year ends. 2020 has been a really, really different year. Just come and tell the Lord what's on your heart, what you'd like to see. I think we could pray that. Just pray what we'd like to see in our nation. Tonight, maybe there's something in your home, something in your family, something, somebody that you just want to reach with the gospel. You come and lay that name right here to the Lord at the altar. A loved one needs to be saved. If you're here tonight, you're not sure that heaven's your home. You're in the best place you can be to come to the Lord. Would you do that? Would you come to the Lord? If you've been saved, not been